Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. It is absolutely awesome to be here. Um, Big Wig is not the title I tend to go by. but I do a lot of travel with my role now, travelling all around the state uh, and uh, in Canberra as well and that sort of stuff. Um, and as I was worshipping this morning, and thanks uh, to Jamie and Josh, uh, it just I, there's something when you, you know when you feel like you're home and you go, and you can just kind of breathe in a little bit. Uh, and it was so great. Uh, so thank you for your warm welcome to be with you today. If you've got a Bible handy, you might want to turn with me over to John's Gospel. I want to explore with you a, uh, a passage that, I, that is, sits very dearly with me. It's this passage where there's grief and there's celebration, uh, and it's all kind of mixed into one. And, uh, and we're going to explore that a little bit today uh, on, this, uh, on this Father's Day. So uh, if you've got a device or a paper Bible handy... Uh, John chapter 14, and I'm going to kick off at verse 1. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare... Would would I have told you, rather, that uh, I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you, if you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, uh, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? even after I've been among you for such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. It was probably in my mid-20s, mid to late 20s, that I began to discover that I am abnormal. Some of you who know me, have known me for a lot longer, are probably asking the question, why did it take to your mid-20s to discover that? Uh, because the abnormalities are probably many and varied. But, but the, this specific abnormality that I'm referring to is a relational abnormality. Uh, at that point, I was pastoring a, um, a church plant down in southwestern Sydney at a suburb called Holsworthy, which is right on the doorstep of Holsworthy Army Barracks. And I was also serving, in addition to being a pastor, also as a military chaplain um, in the Australian Army. And uh, the unit that I was attached to was 17 Construction Squadron. It was an engineering unit. And uh, we would build things, we would blow things up, which was a lot of fun. And, uh, and it was a unit of about 150 officers and soldiers. And... Uh, the abnormality began to become very apparent when I'd have conversations with soldiers and officers in that unit about their relationship with their dad. 
And what I found in the unit after conversation after conversation was that at best, most of these guys and girls had a, a, a rocky relationship, maybe an indifference toward their dad. And in quite a number of other circumstances, the relationship could only be described as white-hot animosity. That was probably the best way to describe it. I was sharing this with um, some pastoral friends of mine. In fact, a good mate of mine is a, uh, a chaplain in the prison system. And he said, oh, we found the same sort of thing in the prison world. And I said, talk to me about that. And he said to me, well, we ran a, uh, a bit of an exercise some years ago where we purchased a whole lot of Mother's Day cards. And we said to the inmates, hey, um, wanna, we, we will give you a Mother's Day card. All you've got to do is write on the Mother's Day card a nice note to mum, put the address on the front, we will mail it for you so that mum gets a nice Mother's Day card from you. And they said, the inmates took up this offer with glee, they were stoked, and all these guys are grabbing cards for their mums, uh, and that sort of stuff. And they said, this is awesome. And it got to a little later in the year, in September, and we said, hey, we could run the same sort of thing again. And so they purchased a whole lot of these cards again, the Father's Day cards this time. And they said, hey, guys, we've got this great idea. You know Mother's Day? They said, yeah, we're going to do the same thing Father's Day. Crickets. Barely a card was taken by the inmates. Now, maybe those serving in the army or those who are part of the prison population aren't a perfect sample of the population. But I've got to tell you, I've had conversation after conversation with people, everyday world, who reflect similar stuff to me. Who are saying the exact same sorts of things, that they have very complicated relationships with their dad. In fact, just yesterday, I caught up with a friend of mine who tells a story how many years ago, he's a Christian guy, and... um, He had this prophetic vision, and the prophetic vision was like a manacle around his neck that was connected via a chain to a manacle around his father's neck that was connected by a chain to a manacle around his grandfather's neck, and on and on it went. And he shared with me about how how he sensed that, that God was inviting him to break the chain so that the kind of the dysfunctionality that had been so evident for generations in his family would not be passed on to his kids. I remember him grieving over what he'd experienced as a child, but his absolute resolve to say, no, 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 it stops with this generation now. Because now in this generation, where there's the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is at work in our family home. And we want to see a change in our family context. All that to say, for many people... Today, perhaps here in the room, certainly throughout our community here at Long Jetty and beyond, today can be a challenge for many people. Lots of people struggle to celebrate their dad, but at a deeper level, this challenge can make connecting with God tricky also. When you look in the Scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, what's the dominant way in which God is described in the New Testament? It's Father. It's Father. And so, so for many in our, in our society, it would seem, or perhaps in the church as well, when, when we say God is Father, that can actually be a triggering kind of a thing. 
which is why I love what Jesus does in our Bible reading this morning. Jesus has been using this language of God as Father. And eventually in verse 8, Philip, who's one of Jesus' disciples, he pipes up and he says, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough. Like, how does this work? Show us the Father. That will be enough. There is confusion in the, in the heart of Philip about what God as Father is really like. And maybe, maybe for some of us today as well, there's confusion too about what God as Father is really like. Maybe like Philip, we need to unlearn some stuff about God as Father so that we can actually embrace who God really is. In fact, in response to Philip's question in verse 8, Jesus says something that's quite remarkable in verse 9. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you want to know what the Father is like? Do you want to unlock what the Father is really like? Jesus is the key. Jesus is the key to unlocking who the Father is. Jesus perfectly reflects the Father's character and his priorities and his heart. But Jesus starts his description of the Father in a really unusual place. And it's not something that we readily see with our Western eyes as we view this particular passage of Scripture. There's something that's very first century Hebrew that's contained in these verses. You see, Jesus is describing here how the Father loves to celebrate. If you go back to the text, in verses 2 and 3... Um, I have to change glasses. One of these days I'll get multifocals, but then I'll be really old um, <clears throat> at that point. Sorry, apologies to those with multifocals. Um, it's, it, Jesus says, My father's house had many, many rooms. Uh, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you with me so you can be where I am. Now, typically, we look at those verses and we go, okay, Jesus is going somewhere, prepare one room. And we miss what's going on in the passage. What Jesus is referring to is the process of dating and engagement and getting married in these verses. Let me explain what I mean, because there's some similarities to how things work in in contemporary Western society and how things were working in first century Jerusalem. So, um, when Carol and I, Carolyn's my lovely wife, sitting next to our amazing daughter-in-law, Sienna, and our equally wonderful son, Josh. Uh, I thought I'd put that in as well, buddy. (coughs) Um, And you guys are all in green. Is this like a thing that you have to wear green? I feel weirdly dressed right now. They're all in green. Um, So when Carol and I started dating, I started noticing this this young lady, Carolyn Beatty, as her name was back then. I go, all right, happy days. And so I eventually went out to a restaurant and I asked Carolyn out and about a week later she got back to me and said yes, maybe she needed some time to (laughs) consult, I don't know. Um, But uh, she eventually said yes, so we started dating. We were dating for what, honey, about 12 months, 18 months, something like that. Uh, and then eventually we were on holiday with my family up at Nambucca Heads on the mid-north coast. And uh, it was on my birthday. I thought this is going to improve the odds if it's on my birthday. And on, the, on my birthday, we're watching the sunrise at Shelley Beach at Nambucca Heads. And I said, hey, we, you know, we better go now. We, we, we kind of watch the sunrise. And Carolyn gets up and I kind of did this really cool thing. I kind of pivoted around. I'm down on one knee and I proposed so smooth, right? So smooth, taking notes, yeah? No, no, you don't need to take notes anymore, do you? No, no, no. <laughs> um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, and instead of saying yes, Carolyn said at first, really? Like, really? 
And I'm going, is that like a yes or a no? Like, I'm kind of freaking out down on one knee right now. Uh, she said yes, and, and the rest, as they say, is history. But, um, and, and similarly in first century Israel, there'd be some similar dynamics going on with, you know, boy meets girl sort of stuff and that sort of stuff. But when the proposal would come, when you'd become officially engaged, that's where the differences happen. So when we got engaged, you know, we started to prepare a wedding and all that sort of stuff, and that was fun. And my mum had these endless lists that she'd give us of things that we needed to do. Mum's list from hell, they became known as. But in first century Israel, because as soon as you do one, there's another one, okay? It was horrible. Um, but in first century Israel, it was so different. What would happen then, after the guy proposes, the girl says yes, um, the guy would then go back to his family home, and there he would start a construction project a building program, and would add a room onto the, uh, onto the house of his parents, onto his father's house, and he'd start building. In fact, I was in um, the country of Jordan uh, and also Israel uh, at the end of 2019, and to this day, you'll still see many houses there have Rio sticking up out of the roof, and I said to our guide, what's that? And he said, oh, that's for rooms that are going to be built on when the kids um, get married, and they'll, they'll build a room on the family home. So this still continues to today, right? And so they go away, and they build a room, and then eventually when the room was finished, the guy and all of his mates and all of his family members, they'd have this huge procession toward the home of the, br- the bride-to-be, and there, you know, there's lights, and there's music, and there's noise, and everybody would be coming out, this is awesome. At this huge party, they get married, and the groom would bring the bride back to the room that he has been preparing. And that's what's going on. In John 14, that's the image that Jesus is seeking to convey here. The Father rejoicing at the prospect of the bride coming in. You see, Jesus is a groom. We are the bride. And God is the Father. This Father who is caught up in the rejoicing of his Son and his bride. I've had the experience so far once of being the parent at one of my kids' weddings, and that was awesome. And I am far from a perfect parent. You can talk to Josh about that later. Um, But in an imperfect way, I kind of get the joy of the father in this story. I'm eternally grateful for two two things about Josh and Sienna's wedding uh, a while back now. Uh, Number one, because of COVID restrictions, there was no dance floor, so I didn't have to have those awkward kind of dad moves on the dance floor. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Um, But at a deeper level, I also got to celebrate with my son. And I got to see the absolute joy and delight in his eyes as as Benj was taking the wedding. Remember that man? At the, uh, where were we, Josh and Sienna? What's it? Budai National Park, yeah. Budai National Park. And Benj was taking the wedding there. And I'd look at my son and I'd see the absolute delight in his eyes and the fun that we had on the day, right? And it was so different to what was originally planned because of all the COVID restrictions. But we had the best time. It was this wonderful celebration. Um, and, and even to this day. So as Sienna's like father-in-law, uh, I, I, I had this absolute joy and delight of introducing her. So, so Sienna was in at my office, um, what, two weeks ago, something like that? Two, three weeks ago, something? And... Um, and we caught up at the office. Sienna was there for some other stuff. And um, so I got all my work colleagues in my office, right? 
And so I, I said to Sina, hey, I want to introduce you to all my work colleagues. And so I come out, and it was kind of a, a bit of a dad joke sort of thing. And I say, hey, did you guys not get the memo that it's bring your awesome daughter-in-law to work day today? And, they, and so I was able to introduce Sina. And, and as a father-in-law, I get to introduce my awesome daughter-in-law to all these people. And there's celebration still in my heart about that. Um, and as I was preparing for this morning, kind of prophetically, the sense that I had was to share two things with you about the nature of the Father and how he sees you. The first one of those was that, um, that if you're in a situation where dad has been cold, indifferent, distant, absent, abusive, those sorts of things, the first thing I want to say to you is that your dad missed out. Your dad missed out. Dads who go down those sort of paths miss out on what I believe is one of the most special relationships that anyone can ever experience. Your, dad, your, your dad's the one who missed out. And secondly, I believe that Jesus wants to unlock for you a vastly different experience of what your heavenly father's like. Jesus actually unlocks this beautiful relationship, maybe that your heart has been longing for for so long. He's the perfect father that you longed for. Which actually leads me to kind of the second reflection on this passage. The first one is that the father just loves to celebrate you and to be with you. The second one is the father loves to make a way. The father loves to make a way. If you were to go to, um, to verses 4 to 7 in the text, you get the vibe there that Thomas, um, uh, that Thomas is not so much going down the path of, you know, doubting Thomas. He always gets this really bad rap, the poor guy. You know, he, he asks one question and for the rest of his life he's known as doubting Thomas. I mean, man, that's harsh. But this guy, there is, this, there is a fear of abandonment. He loves Jesus so much. And Jesus is saying things like, you know, hey, you know, building a house with many rooms. And Thomas is there going, I kind of get the wedding illustration. And okay, that's kind of interesting. But, but Jesus, you say you're going. I don't know where you're going and I don't know how to get there. And there seems to be this deep sense of a fear of abandonment that Thomas is carrying. But I love what Jesus does here. Jesus flips the whole thing around. He flips the seemingly deepest fear, this fear of abandonment, with a promise. And the promise is that of a deep abiding relationship. He says to Thomas in verse 6, he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. I'm not abandoning you, Thomas. In fact, buddy, it's the complete opposite. I am inviting you in to deep relationship with myself, a relationship that will give you access to deep relationship with the Father. He completely flips the whole thing around. The Father's heart is so deeply relational, so amazingly joy-filled, so profoundly loving that he's provided a way to himself that is not simply following a set of rules perfectly. It's not some body of knowledge that you've got to get 50% or better in some sort of test to pass and make the grade. The way to the wedding celebration, the way to the author of life and of love and of joy, the way to the unveiled presence of the Father is a person. 
It's a person. It's through deep relationship with Jesus. Because if you know Jesus, you know the Father. And if you've experienced the love of Jesus, wow, you've, you've caught a whiff of the love that's in the heart of God for you. If you want to know the Father, then get to know Jesus. Because the way is a person. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, um, with my job, I, I was traveling across to New Zealand. And um, I've got a, a friend of mine, Jeremy. And Jeremy and I, we've done pretty much the whole run of life together. We've known each other since I was about five. So that's a long time, isn't it, Benji? That's a really long time, right? That's, yeah, wow. David was playing fullback for Jerusalem. Sorry? Two world wars. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He was friends with Orville Wright as well. Um, anyway, no, no. So I've been friends with Jeremy for years and years and years. Jeremy these days is um, an executive with Qantas. And, uh, and so <clears throat> I had a, a particularly early start for this flight. And um, you've got to be there four hours ahead of time right now, which is just crazy. Anyway, so I, I texted Jez and I said to him, mate, any chance you get me some sneaky access into the Qantas Business Lounge? Because I've got a, probably a decent sort of a wait uh, for, you know, for this flight across to New Zealand. And so Jez gets back to me pretty much straight away and he says, leave it with me, mate. Um, I'll get your name in the book. And now apparently, this is the first time I've been there, there's this book. Uh, and there's these few people who stand their guard at the, at the entrance to the business lounge, okay? And unless your name is in the book or unless you've got some sort of special pass or something or a secret handshake or I don't know what it is, uh, yet yeah, you don't get in, but your name's got to be in the book. So front up there and sure enough, um, the name ended up being in the book and I got to go into business lounge. And business lounge is awesome. I don't know if you've been in business lounge before, but there's like heaps of food, heaps of food, and it's all free. And there's as much drink as, well, yeah, we'll say soft drink as you can. There's actually as much alcohol as you'd like either. Um, But uh, there's beautiful lounges, and there's people who come and take away your plates after you've used them, and business lounge is awesome. And there's a reason there are people at the front guarding it, not letting the plebs like me in. Um, but uh, business lounge great. So, so I go into business lounge and I'm sitting down there in this cushy chair and, and it's, it's amazing. Business lounge was awesome. And eventually I did decide that I needed to walk across to board the flight, but I wanted to stay in business lounge. But access to the lounge was through a person, through relationship with a person, my friend Jeremy. And in a way that is far more spectacular far more beautiful, far more life-giving and eternity-shaping. Jesus does everything that is necessary so that we have access, not just to a departure lounge, but to the author of life. In fact, I love this, in the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it uses the same sort of language that Jeremy uses. It talks about the book of life and having your name in the book of life. And it says there that those who have entered into a relationship with Jesus, Jesus is the way that provides access to the Father. Those who have a relationship with Jesus have their names written in the book. The book of life. So my question to you this Father's Day is a simple one. Is your name in the book? Is your name in the book? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? 
because the way to the Father is not a pass grade on a test. The way to the Father is not trying to keep a, a set of rules. The way to the Father is a person. He's a good Father. He's a good Father. He's worth getting to know. Is your name written in the book of life? If there is a question mark about that in your heart as to whether your name is in the book of life, I want to encourage you to um, use your Connect card and there's options on the back that says, you know, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus um, or I'd like to talk to a pastor. You can check that box as well. Uh, I want to encourage you, like, get certain about this thing. Don't leave it in, a, in any sense of ambiguity. You might want to use the, um, the biggest QR code, no demand. Um, that's freaking huge. Uh, is that for sight-impaired people like me? Great, thank you. That's that. You enlarge them for today. That's so thoughtful of you. Wow, wow. That's that's incredibly thoughtful. Heartless people. Um, but yeah, seriously, if there's a question in your mind about that, about whether your name is in the book of life, whether you do have a relationship with God through Jesus, talk to Ben. Talk to Mel. Talk to any of the leadership team that you saw up here praying over Alicia earlier. This Father's Day could be the day that you actually move into relationship with the perfect Father that your heart's been longing for for so long. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I I thank you for the crew here at Greenhouse and um, for what you're doing in our midst here. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're at work amongst us, that you are drawing us to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. And Lord, I pray for anyone today who, who right now, they're just not sure about this whole book of life thing. They're not sure about relationship with you and whether that's a thing. Uh, Lord, I pray that there would be a certainty that they come to about that. I pray that you give them courage to reach out to Benj or Mel or the rest of the leadership team here. And Lord, that they might celebrate 